and good morning. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening in the stars above. And today, uh, we have our favorite Pleiadian friends, Pia and Cullen. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Always delighted to be with you and your audience. Oh, thank you. We love having you here. It was funny because we were just having this nice little chit chat behind the scenes because the last time I looked at the clock, we still had five minutes before showtime. And then all of a sudden it was showtime. And what we were talking about might be a good way to sort of start the show this morning because we were talking about lightheartedness and being less serious about life, even when things, you know, for in, in the news, banks crashing, um, uh, the the Russian plane shooting down an American drone and the ongoing war and all these things that just keep trying to pull us into the dark. And we were saying that, you know, we were choosing to be in peace. And Colin, you started to say that's an important thing. And then we had to go live. So <laughs> do you remember what your thought was? <laughs> well, well what, what I was going to share is simply... If we can be in a peaceful, in a joyful space with all the other things going on around us, we will affect that bigger picture because the energy that we're creating by being peaceful will ripple out and affect other people, other nations, other situations. So actually, by choosing to be in that peaceful place that you began talking about with us, it's probably the most powerful thing we can be doing right now. It's it's a it's a really good idea to be in that space as much as possible. Yeah, it is because you know I can't control what the U.S. or Russia is going to do, right? Mm -hmm. I just can't. That's just out of my purview. But I can absolutely stay in peace. I can you know pur purposefully continue my life in peace or in love and in lightheartedness and not fall prey to that. But I do think it's interesting because of course I'm the astrologer and the astrologer in me gets peaked every time there's like news like this. When Pluto first moved into Capricorn back in 2007, 2008, the mm -hmm. banks were crashing, right? Mortgage companies were having trouble. And what are we seeing now that Pluto is sitting at the 29 degrees of of Capricorn is sort of a reprisal of some of those same energies, which tells me we didn't learn the lessons. We didn't mm -hmm. learn the Plutoan lessons. And here we are at the karmic degree. So for everybody listening, the, the karmic degrees are zero degrees of a sign and 29 degrees of a sign, right? The one at the 29 is about how did we do through the transit of that sign previous and the zero degrees tells us it's a new beginning and here are the challenges you're going to face. And what do we have? <laughs> Banks crashing. So apparently we didn't learn that lesson very well. Well, Janet, time to be lighthearted because spring is here and we've got so many changes happening next week. Well, no kidding. Next week is a crazy week. Last well, week, this week has been too. That, that's exactly what I want to contribute tonight. I know we're going to talk about this because it's so important, but... Because Pluto and Capricorn are so near and dear to my heart, um, I thought I could, I could talk a little bit about in one week from today, 
Pluto will leave Capricorn's influence or vice versa. Actually, it's one week from yesterday. Well, you're a day off. Well, this is <laughs> yeah, well, but this is early, but this is early in the day where this broadcast is taking place. Yes. So, but what I was going to say is it will be a momentous change for us, for me personally, and absolutely collectively for all of us, have, having Pluto leave Capricorn and move into a very special, different energy, energy situation of Aquarius is going to allow some of the joy and the lightness, hopefully, that we're talking about to actually take place. Lark, my husband. Wait, wait. Okay. And and although although Pluto will only be leaving Capricorn for a short preview period, it's only going to be about two and a half months. It will be March 23rd to June 11th, approximately. That preview should give us an indication of what we will be feeling when Pluto retrogrades back into Capricorn in the beginning of June. And then only for about six more months until January of 2024, when Pluto will go back completely into Aquarius for I believe 21 years until 2020, 2044. Yeah. We he should have, have a, he has a short little retrograde back into Capricorn in, from September to November of 2024. Right. And right. then finally in 2020, at the end of 2024. Yep. Mad exactly. dash back into Aquarius. Yep. What I was going to add to this is Larkma has been telling people publicly that we're going to really feel the shift of the energies by the 24th. So the day after equinox, this new spring period of Pleiadian Earth energies we're about to step into with two energies of new beginnings, new moon, Pluto moving into Aquarius, all of these things happening next week. And by the 24th, supposedly, we're going to really actually feel more light and more lightheartedness and better things. So oh. I just I just wanted to jumpstart this by saying what I've been saying. And I know both of you have much to say about this. And I think it's a topic that's really important for us to discuss. It, it will be a game changer, I think, for many of us personally, but collectively, I think it's going to open up an amazing, amazing change of Stepping away from so much structure, stepping away from so much control, stepping away from so much that we've had to been experiencing since 2008. And I can say I am so happy that, that this change is about to happen. Yes. <sighs> well, there's all of that, right? But Pluto at best is taking us on a trip through the underworld. <laughs> and that's his job, right? He shows us the shadow. And often his first move into a sign shows us where it is that we're not right. Mm -hmm. And when he first moved into Capricorn, we saw our institutions one after the other 
falling or having issues or having to be bailed out. Words like bailout became prominent at the very beginning. And here we are at the very end of his transit through Capricorn. And what happened yesterday? A $30 billion bailout. $30 billion. So the Fed governments around the world, bigger banks actually, all contributed to the bailout of these smaller, more regional types of banks. That was exactly what started at the beginning of the, the Capricorn transit. So as we move into Aquarius, we may also be dealing then with the things like technology, innovation. Those are the things that Aquarius rules. Humanity, right? Humanity is ruled by Aquarian energy. So what might we see as sort of the banner indication of what comes next? What are the challenges we're going to deal with? Because we, you know, we don't like to look under the rug and see what's under there. We don't like dealing with shadows. So Pluto's kind of the planet that makes sure that we are going to look at our shadows, the shadows of co the collective shadows, not so much our individual shadows, even though you may have that as a part to play in your own you know, chart, uh, but mostly the collective shadows. And what we're seeing then is the reverberation of things that are not sustainable. We've created some things that are not sustainable. So now the opportunity is to really correct those things, right? We didn't correct them back in 2008 when we could have, right? We just put Band-Aids on everything. And I see we're putting another big Band-Aid at a cost of $30 billion on a problem that we should have taken care of back in the beginning, but we did not. So we have that lesson and that's, you know, we're going to see that reverberating for a while because of Pluto not staying in Capricorn, or I mean, in Aquarius when he moves, but going kind of fading in and out of it um, mm -hmm. over time. So it should be interesting, right? But again, I say, as we did at the beginning, it's your choice how you're going to look at all of this. Mm -hmm. I only look at it through my astrologer's eyes and go, as above, so below, here we are having some fun uh, <laughs> or not, depending on, you know, your perspective. But that's it, isn't it? It's your perspective. It is. It's it's all about choice and attitude. Yep, exactly. Um, we, we may not we may not be able to change things, as you said when we, the three of us were speaking before we went on air. We may not be able to make big choices and change the world, but we can change our attitude. We can change how we deal with our emotions, and. Although maybe that doesn't sound like such a big deal, actually, for us personally, it is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Like the thing about, and you know, we just that last week we had Saturn moving into um, Pisces. And one of the things that we talked about way, well, we've been talking about it a lot, actually, is that Saturn in Pisces is about bringing down walls or is about bringing uh, in healthy boundaries and letting go of unhealthy boundaries. So we have an opportunity to, at this point, because the biggest wall that we build is around fear. So we have an opportunity to let go of fear. And certainly wouldn't that make everybody feel more lighthearted or you know, less heavy? Yep. Absolutely. We have, we have coming in on Monday, an energy that's really, really strong and potent to help us move through everything you're talking about, Janet, mm -hmm. because we have a triple energy of new beginnings happening on Monday. We've got one, which is a universal energy in the Pleiadian Earth energy system of new beginning, 
do cycle. Uh-huh. We've got being energy, which is the very first of the earth energies, which is a new cycle. So those two coinciding and coming together is two. And it's happening on equinox, which always brings new things. Power of three is potent. And there's a reason why people say third time's the charm, because when you put three energies, they're coexisting and co-aligned with an intention together. It brings so much positive energy for us to be able to achieve preparation for what's coming, letting go of what needs to die, moving forward in a way that's really beautiful. So we have all of that happening on Monday, just before the new moon, which is just before Pluto moves into Aquarius. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's an extraordinary week. <laughs> it is. It's a potent, it's yeah. a potent time to, to truly let go of old paradigms and create new paradigms that work better than the ones that we're getting rid of that never really worked in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And then astrologically, of course, uh, zero Aries is what is the uh, spring equinox or the equinox spring here and uh, fall autumn for the people down under um, is a, is the beginning of the Zodiac year. So it's mm-hmm. the, it's the true new year if you will, from an astrological perspective. So all things are new. It's Aries energy, right? It has all of the potential. It has a sort of innocence as we walk through this gateway of time. If we can shed all of the, you know what, that we've been carrying around, the baggage, the unforgiveness, the old tales and the old stories. If we can shed all of that as we walk through that gateway, then we have magic and miracles that can happen. But if we don't, we're going to, you know, some people who are not able to do that are going to just keep reliving. It feels sort of like Groundhog's Day in a way, right? Keep reliving these same stories. Yeah. Um, but we also have the choice. How do we want to look at that? Absolutely. Yeah. Doing the same old thing never gets anyone in, into a different way of of understanding their lives. If they if they stay in that groove, if they stay in that old pattern, they don't grow. And we have to be fearless. We have to be courageous. We have to be willing to step away from those things, even if they were comfortable in the illusion of thinking they were comfortable. We have to step away from those things and create something that really does work in, in yeah. a much better way. And that's challenging for most people because, as you said, it's challenging to do new things. It's challenging to step out into a place that's unfamiliar. And that's where the fears come up. What, what if I don't do a good job? What if I'm afraid to do this new task? What if I'm afraid? What if I'm afraid? What if I'm afraid? That truly keeps people from moving forward keeps us locked in the old patterns. And that's what we're trying to break through. And planets like Pluto, when he changes signs, and planets like Saturn, even when they change, he changes signs, brings us the opportunity for new energy. Or is it the opportunity to see the error of our ways and to course correct? I think that's the biggest thing. And the course correction, you're right, is of big magnitude this time. As you know, we think of Aquarius as a sign of the future a sign of what can be, right? How do we want to create the next steps? And, uh, you know, it's it's all up to us. 
right? It is up to us. Do we want to keep continuing with the way we've been or do we want to change? So it's all up to us. I want to say good morning. We have a bunch of people joining us this morning, so I have to scroll back here. Uh, first off, good morning to Irene Alberg from Sweden. It's great to see you. Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel says, happy St. Patrick's Day. Hello there, Pauline Yee Blenner. Uh, so happy you will be part of the Galactic Wisdom Conference online tomorrow. That must be you because I'm not part of that. Yes. Um, and Pia and Colin will be there as Larkma, she says. Pam Zaruba, good morning, MD. I'm not sure what your real name is, but hello, MD. JLo, hello, always good to have you with us. And Kamal, good morning. Amy D, hello. Tal, is it Tal Ofek? Good morning to you. Amanda J, hello. Christine Buckingham, hello. I told you they're all here this morning. Uh, JLo says, whoop, Pluto enters my ninth house in the on the 23rd. So the ninth house being a house of growth and expansion and of seeing the world from a higher perspective, kind of almost like the eagle, being able to rise to the level of the trees and see out all around you in the 360 degrees. Uh, so that's going to be awesome for you, I think. Uh, J-Lo says she's ready for that day. Uh, Tina Wildenauer, I love this. She says, I'm so tired of Groundhog's Day. <laughs> I think we all are. Kathleen Mallory, good morning. And Lori Broden, hello. It's good to have you with us this morning. So Pia, Tom and I, you know Tom, he's he's not with us this morning, by the way. Tom and Ainsley, happy uh, move anniversary for you. He moved to Eastern Canada one year ago today. So they're celebrating his move in uh, with her on in Ottawa versus being over here in Vancouver. So he's not with us here today, but he made me make sure that I was going to ask you this question. And this <laughs> comes out of a conversation that he and I were having one day around the Pleiadian Earth astrology, of course. What other conversations are there to have, right? <laughs> and um, we came across something called Vortex Days. Mm -hmm. And there's really only a little paragraph in the book that describes it. But yet I noticed that March 19th and 20th are the next vortex days. They happen to be 13 enlightening and one being, which we were just talking about in terms of the triple good that's happening on the 20th. So what is it about the, what, why do we call them vortex days? And what is it? Vortex days means that there are two cycles that are coming together simultaneously. And it makes the day more potent, more powerful for whatever's going on. They're neither bad nor good, negative nor positive, but they will accentuate anything that's going on. And these particular vortex days of ending with 13 and lightning and starting with one being will be even more potent than usual. I don't focus as much on vortex days when I'm working with people because I think life is so intense right now anyway. Why well, point out that some days are going to be more intense than others? But that's, <laughs> that's what vortex days are. It's a day of more intensity. And the, is that always going to be when a 13 comes to an, a 13 and a one are close together? Or does that happen throughout? What, what's the nature of the cycles that are coming together it's at that based upon, it's built upon the collective shadow cycle if you draw a cross with the collective shadow cycle here and then you look at the corners of the cross those are vortex days and then you go out a little bit further and those are vortex days and then they keep going out and going out and going out so it's based really on an expansion from the collective shadow cycle and then a withdrawing back in towards the next collective shadow cycle. There are days of intensity that are programmed to help us really pay attention to what's mm. going on. Like 
Wake up. Yes. Wake up. Pay attention days. Yes. And is that the same for everybody or does it really play into how your, um, your own Pleiadian astrology works? Because they're based on the collective shadow cycle, it's the same for everybody. It's general. It's general. Whatever's going on in your own life in Western astrology or Pleiadian earth energy astrology, they make it feel like it's more personally intense for you because we do have other factors that play into that as well. Like what if the vortex days happen in your own collective shadow, your personal shadow period? Yep. And you will find an intense day. But here's the good thing, Janet. If you make light of the shadow, really look at it, shine the light into it, that positive intention can be amplified. Right. The shadow dissipates. That's right. Exactly. Okay. So the next question about this. So I see like we have it March 19th and 20th. So that makes sense because I can see how they work together. But the next one's like April 8th, April 10th, and April 27th. So three vortex days next month. How come they're separated? Again, it's a graph that goes like this, and it works out as a mathematical computation that moves outward and in a certain direction to make them happen. I'd have to draw the graph for you. Maybe I can do that and bring it to the next show that so people can see it. So let me ask you this then, because what I notice is that as we go from April to May, there's more vortex days. May to June, there's more vortex days. July has a whole uh, nine-day period of time that is a, that are vortex days. That's that, Janet, is the idea of it being closer and closer to the collective shadow cycle. So you have a few days of intensity out on the edges, and then they come closer and closer as you get click closer to the collective shadow cycle. So you've got nine days right before the shadow cycle. And on the last day of the shadow cycle, you move into nine more days of vortex days right after it. So it's a little bit like Mercury retrograde, but you still look at the energies even before and after Mercury retrograde because we can feel it. It's the same sort of thing. Yeah. Now, are those vortex days, do they take on different characteristics based on what the actual day on the calendar is? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So like, for instance, these vortex days, the 19th and 20th could be presumably pretty good ones because. But we have to look at the fact that each of the earth energies has a high vibration and a low vibration. So on the 13th, which is the end of the cycle enlightening, enlightening uh energy on the high side is very, very idealistic, very geared towards how can we do this better? On the low end of the vibration, enlightening energy is all about disappointment. Why don't people see what I'm trying to share? Why aren't things working like I know they can? So we have to put in the energy to choose whether it's going to be high or low. Same thing for being energy. On the high end, being energy is extremely creative. Very, very creative energy for new beginnings, birthing things. On the low energy end of it, it's more like... I feel alone. What if people reject my ideas? What if they don't like what I'm doing? So we have to pay attention to how we use the vortex days on any day. One good way to work with that is to work with the the back of the calendar where it has appropriate use for each 13-day cycle and the uses of the energies. Look at those where there's high vibration and low vibration and apply it to the vortex day that you're working with. Awesome. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, this brings us back to the idea of choice. 
we can choose. Are we going, are we going to use the highest vibration that's available on, on any given day, whether it's a vortex day or not, but especially on a vortex day, if we choose the higher road, it's going to make a, a completely different atmosphere on that day. So again, choice is really important in everything yep. we do. Yeah. Um, question out there from the crowd, from Christine. Does this happen every March 19th and 20th every year? No, March no. 19th is a Gregorian date. The Pleiadian Earth energy system is not based on the fake Gregorian calendar. <laughs> it's based on nature and how nature works and how the energies that are coming in from the cosmos in yeah. harmony with nature. Um, so I just was looking ahead at that to see, right, for 2024, uh, it is March 19th through the 28th next year. Because so we must be getting closer to the shadow cycle or something. It's close to a collective shadow cycle. Yeah. In 2024, we have two collective shadow cycles. This year in 2023, we only have one. Last year, we had two. It varies yeah. because it's based on a 260-day cycle, the cycle of Venus, not on 365 days on the cycle of Earth. That's why one year we have one, the next year we may have two. Yeah. Never we have three, right? <laughs> no, we haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose it could. Now, for those of you who want to know, like, when do those shadow days or those vortex days come, in the Pleiadian uh, Earth Energy uh, Astrology book written by Pia uh, is, and Colin, did you also, and Colin, both of you participated mm -hmm. in this, there is Appendix A, and Appendix A, well, that's the first page, that's already passed us in time, but we have all of the years ahead and what those might mean, uh, what days, you know, would be the vortex days. So it is available. So thank you for answering that. Tom and I were scratching our heads. We were going round and round and round. We had all kinds of conversations around what do those vortex days mean? And I was a graph for, for the show and, and showed the listeners next time so that they'll have oh, great. a visual of it. And if you happen to have that, uh, on your laptop, we can share the screen and okay. then everybody can see it. So if it's a, you know, in digital format on the, on the screen, we can look at it. That okay. would be great. I think. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for answering that because it was driving us a little bit crazy. And we really, you know, as we were looking at it, we were going, well, look, it's 13 and lightning and one being, and is that important because it's a, you know, moving from the ending to a beginning and all of that. Uh, which to me is always significance anyway. It sounds sort of like the, the you know, infinity symbol right here, right? Going around and around. Um, now, another question that we had uh, was about, is there any significance to the solar eclipse being on six choosing? Any thoughts around that? And that is going to be a course on April 20th at 29 degrees of Aries, if you want to look at it in your astrology chart. But in the Pleiadian calendar, it will be six choosing. Well, I think it's an energy. Choosing is always a very, very positive pushing energy, pushing us into what's new, letting go of what's old. So mm -hmm. on solstice, we're moving away from the dark into more light. So the choices we make would be really, really important on such a powerful day. But the six energy is all about flow. So those two energies in harmony together tell us how we're going to flow through the changes that's going to come through having more light. And we'll be able to see it a little differently. I think 
When I look at the Pleiadian Earth Energy Day energy that's happening on auspicious days like solstice, I always try to look at how are we utilizing this? How are we integrating the wisdom the Pleiadians gave us so long ago? And how are we actually, instead of just marking a date on the calendar, how are we actually applying this energetic knowledge? That's a good one. How are we? How are you going to apply this knowledge? Of course, that's what we talk about every morning, every morning that I'm live anyway here uh, on air. We talk about living astrology. How are you going to live it? What, you know, what is the expression of it through you on the planet? So that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, and of course, solar eclipses are, they're banner days, right? Solar and lunar eclipses. Solar eclipses because they bring us something new or the potential for some something, a new gateway or portal that we can walk through that is representing a new beginning. So we have, you know, these, these markers throughout the years, uh, throughout the months that are beginning cycles, right? A, a solar eclipse can only happen at a new moon. So it's a new moon and a solar eclipse occurs most often in conjunction to the north node and the north node of the moon, right? It's the north node that tells us what the trajectory is for our movement forward, for our evolution. What do we want more of? What do we need to embrace more of? So I would say, looking at that, we need to embrace more flow and we need to make better choices. So, Janet, I, I mentioned that we'll be bringing in more light and getting rid of the darkness, and that's in complete alignment with what you're saying. I think I said solstice, but I meant on the eclipse. Anyway, for, forgive my wordage, everyone. What I mean is exactly what you're describing, that we're going to bring in more light for new beginnings. And North Node eclipses also are the places where new forms can enter, that the places where new stuff can come. So it's in real harmony with new beginnings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. We have and and that's driven by our choices, which is very clear on that day, the choice, mm -hmm. right? I always think of of choosing energy as a road and you come to the fork in the road, which way am I going to go? Yes. Right? Or you come to some kind of challenge and what's my choice going to be? How am I going to um, move through this? How am I choosing to behave in the face, choosing to respond in the face of the challenge or in the obstacle or uh, the opportunities that present themselves. Isn't that, isn't that also pretty synchronistic that with the fact that the North Node in and of itself is our, our path forward, what we're supposed to be working towards is unfamiliar to us. Yeah. So does that tie in pretty nicely with bringing in more light, lightening up who we are, taking a lighter perspective, doing everything from the place of lightness with these new beginnings and moving towards the goals of really knowing who we are as divine sparks of light. There's also a, an energy of boldness that I keep picking mm -hmm. up with this as well, because, you know, we, we've already had the, the solstice or excuse me, the equinox. So moving already into Aries energy and the movement of uh, the solar eclipses often presages the, uh, movement of the node into that sign. So we're having a an 29 degrees Aries eclipse, but the nodes are still sitting in Taurus, right? They're at the very end of Taurus, but that's telling us that there's a larger new beginning, a larger new picture coming available. And those nodes shifting are the time when that happens, right? We've been that Taurus 
Scorpio nodal axis for 18 months. And now we're going to have that shift in May to the uh, to the Aries Libran axis. And that can be explosive energy, explosive good, but also kind of cantankerous and confrontational. If we're not willing to make changes, if we're not willing to step into our power, if we're not willing to step into our light, then there could be some problems. But we'll see how that plays out. Bold, being bold, stepping forth into your divinity, if you will, or into your life purpose, right? So it's a great time. All right, so now this, uh, I wanted to also talk this morning a little bit about the moon in Aquarius. So at 725 this morning when uh, is when the moon moved in my time, so West Coast time. So that would have been 1025 a.m. for those of you on the East Coast. I have no clue what that would mean for you <laughs> in, in Cyprus. But for us, it is the time the moon moved into Aquarius. But at the time that I drew up the chart this morning, it was 6.57 a.m. And at that moment, the moon and Pluto were in an exact conjunction at 29 degrees, 53 minutes of Capricorn. And I went, wow. I mean, I'm always looking for signs and symbols and things like that. And what did we start our conversation with today was really about the end of the experience of Pluto and Capricorn. So here we have, I called it a kiss for luck, right? The moon coming into Pluto, kissing it for luck as she moves on into the sign of Aquarius just ahead by a few days of the, the planet Pluto. Now, of course, to me, I mean, there's there's no real evidence that this is, you know, a signpost, but to me, it's a signpost. So for us to look at what is Aquarian energy all about. So the first thing is that, you know, this is significant because for the spring anyway, this is the last time that the moon will conjunct Pluto while he's in Capricorn. Her next coming together will be when he is in Aquarius. And the moon in Aquarius, what does it represent? Um, you know, a couple of words come up like fringy, um, quirky, eccentric, unique, um, all of those words that kind of show the characteristic of being different, stepping outside of your norm, being, choosing innovation, choosing to be inventive, right? I, When I see people who have an Aquarius rising sign or the sun in Aquarius, I'm already looking for how it is that they lay claim to their personality in the world, right? Uh, there is it through bright colors? Is it through the the way that they speak? Is it through music, poetry? I mean, there can be lots of different things, but we all have Aquarius somewhere in our charts. So if you're looking at you know, the wheel of astrology for you guys who have your charts in front of you this morning, the Aquarius part of the chart is where you express this uniqueness, where you're expressing that quirky self. Now, Aquarius energy also brings us sudden shifts shifts in our perspective. It is a sign that's ruled, co-ruled by Saturn and Uranus. So the Saturn part likes to stick with the traditional way of being. It wants to move forward, but in a more prescribed manner. But Uranus is the maverick. He doesn't care. He just wants change. He wants us liberated. He wants us free. And so sometimes it's the shocking things that happen uh, that are the events that shift us, right? So 
I'm not saying that it's all going to be surprises and shocks, but Jupiter did move into the gate of shock yesterday in your human design. So it's possible that there are some surprises in the way that you can become more free or to become more unique, to become more of yourself, right? So that's interesting. Also, uh, Aqu Aquarian energy rules our friends or our associations. So with the clubs, the uh, communities that you're a part of, the networking groups that you're a part of. So one of the big things that we talked about uh, with the astrology of 2023 was the need for all of us to find our peoples, right? To find your group, your community, your like-minded uh, support centers, right? Because as we go forward into trying times, who are the people that we depend upon, right? It's our families, our friends, our tribes, our communities that we've built to keep us, you know, moving forward, to keep us positive, right? You all tune in here uh, on Mondays and Fridays because you want to hear about astrology or what are the stars bringing us. We're a community, right? A community of like-minded people that can support one another through uh, trying times or through pleasant times. It doesn't matter, but we're here to support one another. And of course, Aquarian energy rules innovation and invention. It is where our genius is. And I always am very clear to tell everybody I know that you are a genius. You have your own brand of brilliance. And this is your opportunity to bring it out, to highlight it. Only you can do you, right? Only you can do, add to the, the tapestry or to the 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 combination of souls that are on this planet that can do something specific and breakthroughs happen during this period of time and it is also very future oriented saturn's concern about the future is are we laying the template for sustainability uranus would be are we moving ahead casting off the chains that bind so we have all of that coming together in the sign of aquarius now, we also have detachment that comes with Aquarian uh, energy. The Aquarian energy is objective, right? Uh, it, detachment is sometimes something that we look at and frown upon, but detachment means we're just standing back and observing before we react. We're, we're, we're choosing what we're going to what we're going to respond to or how we're going to respond to any situation that has come up in our lives. So objectivity, the detached view. And then we also have the ideal of working for the common good, which is humanitarian. Humanitarian meaning human centric, right? Being oriented to um, how humans are doing, how we are treating one another, compassion and empathy and supporting of humans. And here we also have the group that comes together that creates grassroots movements, right? How people come together to create a movement forward and seeing how we are all connected, the connections between different groups or different things that are happening, also very Aquarian energy. And by the way, we have the moon in Aquarius uh, all through the weekend, uh, shifting up on Saturday or Sunday morning into Pisces at 9, 12 a.m. Pacific time. So noonish for those of you. So we have all today, all tomorrow, and then a good early part of Sunday morning with Aquarian energy.
Now we always look toward the negative side as well. We wanna see what are the shadows in Aquarius that may also be apparent. One is head in the clouds, pie in the sky, not grounded, not bringing in the ideas into the physical world, being stuck in your rigid opinions, being stubborn, tenaciously stubborn, right? Stuck in this one spot, not moving off your position. And that makes it hard for people to relate to you, or it makes it hard for you to relate to others in a one-on-one -on -one way, right? So humanitarian is group-oriented, Aquarius is group orientation, but you're still, Leo's the other side. You're still the individual that is part of the group. So you have to shine your brilliance and meld it into the big melting pot that is the people of the planet. So it's big. And that's going to apply to whatever planet is in that sign, right? It doesn't matter. It, the, it changes character by the planet that's there. Pluto going into Aquarius then is going to be a really around changing the conversation about the people that are around the edges, right? The marginalized, and they're wanting to push more toward the center, wanting to be seen and wanting to be a part and accepted for who they are. That's going to be interesting because I also see a movement in this country, and I don't know if this is happening around the world, but certainly in our country where some of those marginalized groups who had gained footing in becoming more in the center, becoming more accepted, there are now states and governments uh, in these states that are re-marginalizing them. Mm -hmm. And that's not a good sign, right? That's definitely not a good sign because the, the need is to break free of those old constraints. Mm -hmm. So it's certainly interesting times that we live in. <laughs> um, and you were talking earlier, Pia, about LARCMA, talking about the new beginning that all of this represents. Any sense from that group about the challenges that we're going to face in creating this newness? I'll defer to you on that one. Well, I, I think I think their message about this is any any new attempt to change things is like a birth. It will be amazing. There will be pain involved. There will be newness involved. You have to push to make it happen. It, <laughs> I was just thinking birth, push. <laughs> it's not It's not as though, from their perspective, that it's all going to be a rosy kind of situation, that we're just going to get rid of all the bad things that, that, that haven't worked, and we're going to create only new wonderful things. We have to go through the process of getting rid of all of the old that didn't work in creating what we want that will work. So I think their perspective is it's not going to be just a completely smooth transition. There will be a bit of a rocky road in the transition of how we figure out how to do a better job. We talked about this earlier in this conversation. I think we all agreed maybe we haven't done such a good job and I think their bigger perspective is trying to show us that maybe we didn't make the right choices or maybe we didn't make enough of the right choices. And it's now high time that we work in a unified understanding that 
we're all in this together. And if we don't make it better for all of us, it's not going to be any good for any of us. So I think their perspective is, yes, it's going to be different. Yes, it's going to be better. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And There's we that. Have, <laughs> we have to remember this is a planet of choice. So that element of choice and choosing comes up over and over and over again. And I think it's going to be really in front of us as we go through this time of chaos and transition, because every moment we have to make a choice of what we're thinking about, how we're organizing our thoughts, whether we're blaming or accepting, whether we're feeling something that we need to process for ourselves or whether we're projecting it out on others. Every single choice we make has an energetic impact. And I think that's going to be more important now than it ever has been. I think it is. And you said something a moment ago, Janet, about detachment and observation. I think one of the biggest things we need to trade off, get rid of, is exchanging observation for judgment. We're all too quick to judge, especially when there's something new, unfamiliar, possibly uncomfortable. Our first reaction is to judge it and go, oh, I don't like this. It's new. It's not going to feel good. It's not going to be easy. I think we need to not go in that direction, but simply observe what's going on in a slower, calmer way of looking at it and going, well, maybe it may be new. It may be challenging, but gosh, maybe it's a better way. Yeah. I think I think that equation of changing those two ways of looking at things and living into things is going to be really important in this transitory period that we're entering right now. We need to stop that knee-jerk thing of, oh, I don't like this. This is too hard. I think we need to observe and go, hey, maybe this is going to take us down the right road and maybe this is a better way. Yeah. I think we have to let go of the default settings that we have mm -hmm. about how we um, entertain I new ideas or other people and differences and all of that. We have this default setting that is fear-based, literally. Exactly. Yes. yes. Right? The, yes. It's the fear. Now, it's in our DNA, right? Fear is there. We were given the gift of fight, fight, or freeze. It has kept the human race alive. But as we've become more conscious and we've become more evolved, those fears have become tools that we use against each other as opposed to uh, fear that keeps us alive. You know, there's not a, you know, something that's going to come along and eat me. So I don't have that kind of fear I need to worry about. But instead, then we, you know, look at the other or their different lifestyle, their def different sexual orientation or their age and their sex, those kinds of things. And we become somewhat reactive to the difference between them and ourselves. And that's what we have to lay aside. Um, and, you know, we, we tend to grow in like two steps forward and one step back. We're still a step ahead. But it, it bothers me to see that that backslide because I'm seeing that happen in um, the way that we deal with education. I'm seeing that in the way that we deal with uh, the uh, the sexual orientation that people have and 
blowing back against women in some ways and things like that. And it really, it, it's hard to watch that happen because you know we made these strides and then somehow they're taken back. Um, but again, that's all the part of the process, how we grow as we evolve. Uh, I was watching something yesterday. What was it? Uh, I think it was a news story that came across my feed around uh, France and the government wanting to raise the age of retirement and the blowback that they're getting from the people who are like, no way, that doesn't benefit <laughs> us anyway, right? So apparently they've had big, like million plus people uh, demonstrating against this, yet the government went ahead and made that change, raising the age of retirement to 64, I think it is from 62. Yeah, that's happening all over Europe actually. And is it? people, people, are going to protest, even, even though France went ahead and, and went against popular demand, I think there, there will be um, more coming out of this. I, I think the French people are the most protesting people on this planet. The French, <laughs> do, not, the French do not like it when the government makes mandates and says, you will do this. The French people have always protested. And I'm pretty sure that, that the popular sentiment will cause that new ruling to be overturned. I wouldn't I be surprised so. if there were the first wave of people who are ready to retire at 62 just going, I quit on all their jobs and leaving the jobs to deal with the expected two-year continuance of their work. Yeah. So yeah. there could be some kind of unexpected, unpredicted wave of rebellion that's still going to show up. And this and this is a perfect example of revolution. This is an absolute, this one aspect of a government saying you will do this against the popular choice could be the seed point of revolution about telling the government to back up, back off. I think... I think maybe this one item may be a starting point for the revolutions we've been talking about. Oh, absolutely. The last time Pluto was in Aquarius, there was the French Revolution, followed exactly. by the American Revolution, and then another yep. French Revolution. So there's 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 history here of revolution during a Pluto in Aquarius transit. So yes. it's fascinating to see that, right? It's the littlest thing, an age change, two years, and the government not listening to the people and doing whatever it is that they think is best. And what is that reaction? Well, it's almost always a revolution, right? The people yeah. rise up. Yeah, and it's perfect that it's happening in France, I think, because, <laughs> because of what I just explained about the French people being the first to say no to government. Yeah. So I think it's one of those non-coincidental, completely purposeful situations that, that's perfect right now. Yeah. And that is going to spread, by the way, people, you know, you can expect that's going to spread into the USA at some point and maybe not be a fight in the exact same way, but maybe it's about social security. Maybe it's about um, ret legal retirement ages, all of that kind of stuff. Christine made a good point. She said it's toxic patriarchy pushing back to retain power over others. I agree. Exactly. Yes, exactly. I agree. And that's exactly what should be happening at this very time astrologically. I mean, this is perfect. The governments are going to push the people and the government has no idea how strong 
the backlash is actually going to be now because of the energies that are available. All I think they need the, to do is read the history books, right? If they read their own darn histories that they wrote. They don't. They don't. That's, that's, that's the great part of this. Oh. They don't see it coming, but it is coming. It is coming, definitely. Um, I was going to say something about that. Oh, God. Anyway, it'll come back to me and I'll blurt it out. <laughs> oh, well. You know, oh, I was going to say, here we go, that uh, the age of retirement, right, it, that it wasn't because they needed workers to be there longer. It was purely monetary. Oh, mm -hmm. of course. Right. And that tells you something, because the whole age of air that we've entered into is following the age of Earth. And in the age of Earth, one of the major things out of that was money and greed. Right. Mm -hmm. Money, corporations, uh, materialism, consumerism, capitalism, all of those were results of our age of air. I mean, our age of Earth. And here mm -hmm. we are now already in the age of air and things have to be different. And you're already going to see that that isn't an acceptable reason anymore to make that kind of change. But it's mm -hmm. what happened. It is purely monetary. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And anyway, so Debbie Tibbetts Tumio says we in the USA have already had our retirement moved above. Yeah. Like I uh, have to be 68 before I can draw my full Social Security, where my husband, who's just four years younger than me, is 60, will be 66 and a half to be able to draw his. It's ridiculous, right? It keeps getting bigger and bigger, you know, for pushing us further into our late 60s and 70s before we actually get to retire. Now, we could debate this until we were blue in the face. But again, it's all coming down to money. It all it, comes down to money. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. But but thankfully, that sometime in the near future will not be the case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tall Alfek says, feeling a profound shift in my consciousness and awareness, working for the common good, always asked to see quality of life, living a meaningful life, and any message from the Pleiadians? On quality of life, I would guess, maybe, or on the common good? Well, go ahead. You want to go for that? No, go ahead. Well, I, one of the one of the biggest messages from our Pleiadian friends over the the years we've been working with them is things need to be more humane. Mm. People need to treat each other as brothers and sisters. People need to support one another, and I think the the Pleiadian perspective on this is we haven't done a very good job of using the understanding of unity or the highest good of all. Um, greed, avarice, competition have really been what's the, the running engine of the patriarchy for so long. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons the Pleiadians are so interested in helping humanity evolve is to get us to turn around our value system and step away from those, those out of balance patriarchal elements that have basically ruined our planet, our society. So I would think the Pleiadian perspective would be simply 
live in love, live in unity, and take care of each other. And one good way to do that is by learning to do make your choices through integrity and be transparent. We all have a facade about, oh, I can't let people see how I really think. But that's been entrained in, in, in us. And we have to get away from that and go, I am who I am. I'm happy to share who I am with you and be authentic as well as being transparent. And then we can have more integrity in the choices we make because it'll be obvious to everybody where we're coming from. Yeah, exactly. An, an egalitarian society is the only society that functions properly. If, if there isn't a, a sense of equality amongst everyone, it will never work. And we're, we're living evidence that our societies don't work. They haven't worked for a very long time. Egalitarianism is the root of our human design, believe it or not. Yes. That, that whole idea of democracy, of everyone has a voice, of coming together for the common good is written into our designs. So it's hard to believe how far we've strayed from that in some cases. But I think by far and away, when you look at the individuals on the planet, the, if we look at the individual, that those are the values that we hold true. There's a smaller percentage of people that are truly despotic or are, you know, causing havoc. And, and really, it's time for all of the rest of us the more the larger percentage of us to wake up and take a stand right stop being chained to your devices and you know getting caught up in 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 all of the things that you know tear your attention away from what's really happening so that you can actually take a stand and walk your talk and be true to yourself and and make a positive impact on the planet don't just stand by idly and wait and see what happens <laughs> does that does that mean we can't go shopping on Rodeo Boulevard anymore? No, by all means, go shopping on Rodeo Boulevard. But go into the shops that are presenting something that is sustainable, right? That's organic. Enjoy the look, right? I'm not saying that we can't have those things, that we need to strip all that stuff away from society. I'm just saying, walk your talk, right? Yeah. If if, you know, if you're a money person and you're making buku bucks and you have the money to spend on Rodeo Drive, more power to you. Because I will bet you're also spending a good deal of money on charities or in uh, a function. Hopefully you are anyway, uh, in some way in bettering the world, impacting the world. That's what we can hope for. Um, but it takes all kinds to keep the balance, right? Otherwise, we are all then the Borg. We're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> That's just not ever going to fly. Um, I want to share this week, I got a gift from our friend Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel, who bought me the new Dreamweavers Oracle cards by Colette Baron-Reed. So I want to pull us a card for the weekend. And just because it's fun to do cards. And these are new, so I want to share them. And they're awesome. They have a real touch of otherworldliness to them. They kind of remind me of the Pleiadian cards and that that you did, Pia and Colin, uh, in that that seems to be sort of a, a theme that is part of the, the cards. Uh, and today we get when it's time to say goodbye. That looks like a dragon and an alien, if you ask me. 
right? <laughs> a dragon and an alien. Card number 32, which is a five. And let's see what this says. The, the essential meaning of the card is completions, endings, death leading to new beginnings, and loss. When it's time to say goodbye, it's time to end one way of being and move on to a new chapter in your life. This can be accompanied by pain because you have to say goodbye to someone you love, someone who's meant something to you, or someone important. You may not want to let go, but you must face the loss and the grief and bless what was. Other times it's necessary that you purposely put an end to something. Perhaps you need to walk away from an unhealthy relationship to be true to yourself. Or maybe a connection has run its course and that is just how it is. Right now, you're meant to close the door on a part of your life so you can begin something new, something meaningful and designed for your beautiful self-expression, success and happiness. This is a perfect card. You could be sure it's time for a different experience, a more aligned, authentic way for you to be in the world. You've come so far. Be brave and bless all that has come before now. Who will you become? So much magic awaits. Wow, that is that a is perfect card draw for what we've talked about today. Completely in alignment with our entire conversation. Right. I love, and this, it. I and love this it. New deck. I love it. When when cards are drawn after this kind of conversation or sharing, the 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 seals the deal. <laughs> it is. It's perfect. It is perfect. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and, you know, these cards are new, so I wouldn't have even, you know, it's not like I go ahead and, and pull. The, yeah, no, it always happens this way. They just pop out with the right message. No matter. I mean, I could have pulled the Pleiadian deck and I would have pulled the same card that had the same kind of meaning, no doubt in my mind, yep. uh, because that's how it works. In fact, earlier in the week, we pulled two Pleiadian cards. They were both evolution cards. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, we have all these changes ahead of us. And what do we pull? Evolution cards from the Pleiadian deck. <laughs> so it was perfect. Uh, all right. Well, thank you both so much for being with us. Is there any final message or anything that's going on new that you want to let our listeners know about? Well, I would just throw out to the audience, the next time we're together on your show is going to be April 21st, which is the day immediately following the eclipse. So we can all check in and see how we're feeling about inviting in new forms. What's going on? Yeah, I, that's perfect. I did not realize that, but that's awesome. Yeah. So we'll look forward to that. All another, right, guys, thank you so much. Oh, do you have some, another final thought? Well, no, I was just going to say another synchronicity to have our next conversation on an auspicious day. It Who's, who's designing this? It's perfect. Higher power brings us together loves us enough to bring us together for the positive impact of for all. Yep. Right. Yep. All right. Well, that is it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Pia and Colin, for being here with me. I will see you all again on Monday morning when we'll take a look at the spring equinox chart and as well the new moon. Bye for now. Bye bye for now. Bye.